Hello? Is this thing on? What's up everybody out there in podcast land? Welcome to another episode of Organized Chaos, where we discuss different strategies to help each other stay balanced, both spiritually and mentally, while navigating through this organized chaos, aka life. I'm your host and favorite homegirl, Corinthia Lachey, and I thank you so much for joining me. A little bit about me, I'm a Florida-born 20-something, currently living in Atlanta, and just working my way through life as a creative, a wife-to-be, and a woman of faith. Again, thanks for joining me, and if you didn't get a chance to check out episode one, please, please put that on your favorites list, put that on your reminders, put it as a note, sticky note, put it on the fridge, because you need to go back and you need to listen to that. That's that's number one. Um, I have other episodes as well, if you're new to the Organized Chaos Podcast, check those out, but specifically... The episode titled The Exit Plan, if you have not listened to that, that basically summarizes what we're going to be discussing for this entire season. And just as a breakdown for you today, the exit plan was essentially designed to help us in this transitional season. A lot of us feel like we're just going through a phase where we're shifting. Things are getting a little mundane. Things are getting a little redundant. So it's time for the switch up. And the exit plan is outlined to assist in all the stages that are involved in the exit plan. So there's seven stages. And like I said, in in the first episode, I discuss all seven briefly. And just the foundational text of, of where we'll be coming from. We'll be using scripture as reference here. So that was episode one. Now, on today's episode, we're going to be getting into a little bit more breakdown of stage one, which was titled, what is your objective? What are you asking God for in this season? What do you desire in this season? So that's step one. And we'll get into a little bit more about that. We'll talk about when to know you're, you're ready to transition into this, this exit plan. You know, when will you know? We'll also talk about imposter syndrome. Now, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but if you have heard it before, I'm really excited to hear your feedback, especially after you get a chance to hear this. Um, Feel free to, to reach out. But if you haven't heard of imposter syndrome before, we'll get a chance to discuss that a little bit more. We'll also be using our word where we have an example of a figure in the Bible who who went through something similar to what we call imposter syndrome. I mean, t- I mean, the Bible will tell you, Ecclesiastics will tell you, there's nothing new under the sun. And so this, this particular figure, his experience, it definitely is, is testament to that. We'll also get to discuss some strategies for combating this imposter syndrome. And then finally, we'll wrap things up with some principles for conquering stage one. Will we have a super, super packed episode? Let's get into it. This will be a perfect opportunity to insert Doja Cats. Get into it yet, yeah, but I ain't got time for no 
you know, copyrights and licensing and ain't, ain't got time for that. So, <laughs> funny story, actually, I met Doja Cat um, in the bathroom of, of a club in Atlanta, and she was so nice. She was so soft. She was such a sweetheart, and she smelled so good, and she took a million pictures with me. Like, she's such a girl's girl, so I love that. <laughs> hey, Doja. Okay, so I also happened to meet Nene Leakes in the bathroom that night. There was The girls was out that night. I don't know. The girls was out. Yes, honey. Nene Leakes was in the bathroom, and she came out of the stall. It was so crazy because I just met Doja, so, you know, I'm feeling good about that. And then, boom, Nene Leakes, after Doja leaves, Nene Leakes comes out the stall. I'm like, what? And I'm wanting to, you know flick it up with her because I'm gonna get me a picture ain't no shame I'm gonna get me a picture you know I don't mind asking for a photograph okay for my archives so I'm waiting to get a picture with Nene Leakes and she comes up to me and she says their toilet doesn't flush I don't know enough of that hey Nene Leakes the last picture I actually took with her, this is probably why she didn't take a picture with me, because I was like, oh my gosh, we took a picture when I was in the eighth grade, and I met you at the mall, at South DeKalb Mall, and I'm saying this to her in the club, 20-something years old, and she probably like, girl, what is you trying to say? So I understand Miss Leaks. I mean, I understand NeNe, <laughs> respectfully. Um, yes, look at how y'all got me off course talking about doja cat getting into it that is basically what we're going to talk about now um before we you know like i said get into our uh, meat and potatoes how you guys feeling this is are we back in are we back in the pandemic honestly raise your hand if you're in a pandemic my hand is raised it feels like we're back huh I mean, the cases are rising. The mayor here in Atlanta, she issued um, an executive order requiring mask use in all public places while indoors. I went to the post office. Um, yes, I go to the post office. Y'all know how the, on Twitter they like to say, go outside and touch the grass. Go to the post office and mail out a letter to get back in touch with society. <laughs> I had to do it for work. but So I'm at the post office and... Honey, I almost got kicked out because she let me know from the window, honey, I cannot service you if you don't have a mask on. I was like, oh, no. So y'all almost got, you know, kicked out. I was going to just make a little quick trip to the to the post office. And luckily, another queen was in the building and she had an extra mask in her purse and she she gave it to me. So I love her and I appreciate her. And I realized that, yes, we are in a pandemic. So whatever you choose to do just to, you know, your body is your body. And just have faith that God is going to see you through regardless. You know, that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of grace. That's the beauty of God's grace. That regardless of what we choose to do, because sometimes we choose right. Sometimes we choose wrong. And sometimes we choose wrong without even realizing that it's wrong at the time. But when we do have those moments of uh, omission or commission, God still grants us grace to see the next day. And so that's just, you know, my feelings on, you know, what people are choosing to do 
with their bodies, just have faith that God is going to see you through regardless of what you choose and that he's going to direct your path. And with God, there there's no confusion. He's not the author of confusion. We'll be real smooth sailing when you when it's him and he's blessing you. And that's when you're like, okay, I can make this choice. That was just something I had to check in, a quick check in with you guys. I hope you guys are feeling and feeling great and, and doing great in this season. But let's get into, you know, the topic of today's show. So we're discussing stage one of the exit plan where we are in search of of our objective. We're looking for our, our why. We're thinking of our why. We're praying, God, show me. God, show me where I need to be. Put me on, on a course. Put me on course. So that's what we're asking God for in stage one. The first thing I want to say as well before I get into it is... When you're going into stage one, you decided, you know, I can't take this anymore. I can't take the routine. I can't take something's got to change. And you decide to take on this new season in your life. The first thing you want to put in your mind is don't think about the top of the mountain. 23rd Psalms has a beautiful analogy of mountains and valleys. God is with you at the top of the mountain and he's with you. In the valley, yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. God is with you while you're in those valleys. And so, when you're in a valley, in a low season, and you are ready to transition, you're in a transitional period, don't think about the top of the mountain. Think about the steps that you're taking to get out of the valley that will eventually lead to the top of the mountain. But that can't be your first thought, that can just be. The first step you decide to take out of the valley. So don't think about the top of the mountain. Imposter syndrome. We heard of it. We're hearing about it. We never want to experience it. (laughs) That's not funny. That's serious. But it's inevitable. Right? 70% 70 of people. Statistics say that 70% of people will have an episode of imposter syndrome 70% so there's 10 people in a room only three people are likely not to experience imposter syndrome and when I was in school like I would always end up in like groups and stuff like where it would be like the unlucky like dang not to say that God didn't show me favor he did plenty but there was sometimes I'm like dang why I ended up in this group (laughs) <laughs> that's 70% but hey it happens and I have faith that God sees us through regardless so imposter syndrome by definition is the persistent inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own efforts or skills like dang the persistent inability to believe in one's success is deserved. That is the persistent inability to believe that your success is deserved. That's how we feel about ourselves sometimes. Or the 70% that experience it. Not only do we, do we believe that our success is not deserved, but in some crazy 
delusional state that we get in because we out of our minds if we're thinking this about ourselves which is okay 70 percent and not to just stay on that statistic because i'm not you know it's, it's big on that but i'm just saying like it's pretty common a lot of people are going through it and they feel like not only do they believe or not only do they have the persistent inability to believe that their success is deserved but they also don't believe that it has been legitimately achieved as a result of their own effort or skills like we shortchange ourselves how is our mind going to try to trick us into thinking that we did not legitimately achieve something that we achieved so that is what imposter syndrome is defined as what are some of the thoughts that go through our mind during these episodes of imposter syndrome so it's not as if if you're constantly in a state of imposter syndrome it has developed more likely and i'm not a psychiatrist but you know probably into like depression if you're thinking of that every day but if it's coming in and out um say for example if you didn't have an idea in your mind and then you get the idea in your mind you may experience the imposter syndrome based off of that new thought that has developed kind of kind of you know pattern there so what are some of the things that come to your mind what are some of the questions that play in your subconscious am i a fraud who am i kidding what was i thinking who do i think i am and it happens to the best of us out of nowhere so those are the type of questions and thoughts that are going through our mind while we're having these episodes of imposter syndrome now enough about that because i mean imposter syndrome can really bring the mood down huh (laughs) before we go any further do me a favor go ahead and go to the instagram app on your phone and search Organized Chaos Podcast, and make sure you hit that follow button, interact, show some love. If you'd like to show love to my personal Instagram, Corinne Lachey, hit me up there and show me some love. So I'm really excited to get into the word following up with imposter syndrome because I know it can be such a downer, but we're going to bring the mood up and we're going to get edified by the word of God and talk about... um, a figure in the Bible who went through a similar situation before it had this name, imposter syndrome. And this particular figure, we hear about him often when it comes to doing a miraculous feat, when it comes to fighting for his people, standing for something, and, you know, just being a huge reference in a lot of things i mean you know not just not just biblically but you know in culture and the name is so common i bet you have three people that you know with this name because it's just a powerful name i am talking about moses now moses is introduced in the book of exodus and we know him for parting the red sea right that was the big thing he did he parted the red sea and freed his people from the egyptians 
We're going to go back to the beginning, though. We're going to discuss an earlier Moses, the earliest Moses, the baby Moses, up into manhood, up into before this huge miraculous feat. He had done many miracles. God is doing miracles every day. And so he was definitely doing things prior to. But that's the one that we hear most about. So Moses is introduced in the book of Exodus. And what we'll discuss is Exodus chapter one through four. Just um, I won't, of course, read all four chapters, of course, but that's just the reference um, our foundation for today's show. So Moses is introduced in Exodus as a baby. During this time, uh, Moses' people, the Hebrew people, they were uh, growing at a really fast rate. They were there were so many of them and the Egyptians came and they wanted to conquer them and they started to enslave them. And um, I'm just, you know, telling the story real fast, but they started to enslave them. And even after they enslaved them, the population of the Hebrew people, it was still growing at a fast rate. So the the palace put in an order when Moses was born and it was discovered that he was a boy. His mother actually put him um, in a reed and down the Nile River. So um, baby Moses went down the Nile River and was discovered by the um, Pharaoh's sister. She found him, plucked him on out of the Nile, and he grew up amongst the Egyptians in the palace as, as an Israelite, as a Hebrew-born child. And so as he was growing up, um, he actually grew up with his sister. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but his sister was there to watch over him as he grew. And so he was aware of his difference between the royals and himself in a lot of ways. And he grew to dislike um, how the Egyptians treated the Hebrew people. They were they enslaved them. They were beating them. And so the story goes on that one day when Moses got older, he saw an Egyptian mistreating one of his people and he interfered and he ended up killing somebody. He ended up killing somebody. Crazy, right? Killed somebody, got caught, the Pharaoh ordered to have him killed and he ran away. Yeah, he had to get out of there. He had to get out of there. He ran away to this foreign land, met this man who had seven daughters, began to work for the man, um, ended up marrying one of the, the man's daughters, had a child, had a whole life. Moses went and had a whole life after this. That's how it be, too. Have you ever felt like you were making a transition or you look back and like, you know what, I made a transition Maybe off of of a mistake that I made that caused me to change or because of, you know, it could have been a great choice, but I live a completely different life than I lived before. So even in that new life and that new mindset, that new space, and I, I think about like maybe that was going through Moses's head like I, I really killed a man. So they had to have been on his mind. He's shepherding sheep when he comes upon a burning bush. Listen, y'all, the bush was burning, but it wasn't on like it wasn't burning to ashes. It was just on fire. And the voice of God says, Moses, Moses. 
calls Moses a little closer, but not too close. Because he's in the presence of God. Tells him to take off his shoes. You're on holy land. Okay? Put some respect. Okay? Moses is in front of God, the angel of God, in the form of a burning bush. And he has an assignment for Moses. He says, Moses, I saw how you handled the Egyptians. And I want you to go back and I want you to free your people. That's yeah. I'm going to send you back. And we're going to free those people. Because I like how you move. <laughs> That's what God told him. God told him that you, I'm going to get your people to the land of milk and honey. Okay. I will send you to him to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. That was the assignment that God gave. That was that was the that was the decree that God gave over Moses. That was his assignment. I know that the burning bush situation and setup concept may be hard to grasp and it's like, "Whoa, I would have been freaking out like, what?" But God comes to you and he gives you your direct assignment. Man, I would be so happy. Like, oh, that's what. There ain't no problem. There ain't no problem. Ain't no problem. But watch what Moses says, right? Moses said to God, and this is Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? What does that sound like? Am I a fraud? Who am I kidding? Who do I think I am? So God goes to tell him, but I'll be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. We have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. Because mind you, he was on the mountain shepherding sheep. What we say about mountains and valleys. Come on now. What does Moses say in response to this? So if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What should I say to them? Which, what? Moses. God says, I am who I am. Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. That's listen. God is saying, just put my stamp on it. I got you. I got you. Don't even worry about it. So God goes on to further prophesy into Moses that he is the I am. I've observed you and what you've done in Egypt. It's like, first of all, when you think about it, let's go back to what he did in, in, in Egypt. He killed a man. God's like, yeah, I saw that you did that. But God is interested in your heart. The heart. Just think on that. Food for thought. Journal that. Because today's society, Moses would have been a murderer. God's still using him. Regardless, God is still using him because it's heart posture. So God is, God is going on and telling him all of these amazing things. He's telling him, I will stretch my hand and strike Egypt. 
with the wonders like i got you and like we know it's foreshadowing the everything that came to pass killing of the firstborn sons all of that so we go into chapter four and what does moses say in response to this but behold they will not believe me or listen to my voice for they will say the lord did not appear to you it's like come on moses what more does god gotta do to convince you but i understand moses is like who am i kidding what was i thinking why me will they believe me he's saying all of these things so what does god do god tells him to throw a staff down he does a miracle with that turns into a snake moses picks it up it's a staff again he does a trick with Moses' hand where he puts a disease on his hand and then he puts his hand in the cloak and then it reappears and it's healthy again. He's, he's showing him miracles. He's saying, if they ask, you can perform these miracles. He's giving him access to the gifts. He's like, you know, I, I released this to you. You'll be able to do wonders in their presence if they need some, some, some qualifications, some credentials. So he's doing all this. And what does Moses say? Oh, Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant. But I am slow in speech and of tongue. Moses is complaining because he said he got a stuttering problem. What physical disadvantages do we give authority to? Do we allow to have a say-so in our destiny? I'll say, I'll be transparent and I'll say my gap. I love my gap. Y'all know I love my gap. I have braces now. But there was a time in my life where I didn't like my smile. And it had maybe had a lot to do with just kind of like, you know, bullying and things like that. This was like in the middle of my adolescence. Back when I got into high school, I, you know, things changed, turned around for me. But, but, you know, there was a phase like the middle school phase when growing and I just wasn't feeling it. And I felt like I didn't want to do cause in elementary school. I had been doing, you know, the TV broadcast on, on news in middle school. I didn't want to do it. And then in high school, you know, like I said, I got that confidence back. I went to performing arts school for theater. So smiling bright on, on stage is honey. <laughs> but yeah. So he's, he's saying, I can't even do it because I got a stuttering problem. God is like, who has made men's mouth? I'm, I, know, I know what's going on with you. I knew you had that stuttering problem before I came over here. I know that. <laughs> so God knows what, what, you know, things we see and feel like are holding us back. He sees past that. That's what he's telling him. So then Moses just like, he can't, he's running out of excuse. Like, oh, Lord, Lord, please just send somebody else. How many times have we felt like that? Like, Lord, like, it, I'm not the one. It, why me? I'm not the one to break all these generational curses. I'm not the one. Why me? Moses is saying the same thing right here in the text. There's nothing new under the sun. And we do have those episodes of imposter syndrome god sees past that 
it doesn't change the calling on our life. Moses tried to come up with so many things just now. And God was like, man, next, next, next. Working it out all along the way. So so at this last point, when he says, oh, Lord, send somebody else. The Lord actually got angry. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. But, but grace. Because <laughs> he didn't smite Moses or anything. You know. He he's a loving God. Just want to hurt us. He says, "Okay, all right, well, all right, your brother. Where's your brother Aaron? Moses Moses has a brother, and God says, your brother Aaron, he will be the mouthpiece. He'll do all the talking. You will get with him. Y'all will get together. You'll be able to fill him in on everything we talked about, and he'll be the mouthpiece. Also." We'll release this gift to him so he'll be able to do the demonstration. If y'all need to do that, I got you. And with that, Moses was off to Egypt. He took his family. He said bye to the sheep and to his father-in-law who had cultivated a home for him. It was like, it was like when you think about it, Moses went from rags to riches to rags again. Because he came from rags, ended up in the palace, got to get the backstage on everything. He knows what's going on in the palace to run away to a foreign land, back to rags, working his way back up because he had a family, a lineage, a wife, land, food, shelter, water, the basics, the goods, you know. And now he's equipped with. Street smarts, palace smarts, and he's on his way back with a calling on his life. God is with him. God told him, I am with you. We know we're getting the victory. The pretense is already set. We're coming in the game knowing that we're going to win. We've stumbled a little bit because we had that, that episode of imposter syndrome. But the beautiful thing about that is God is a comforter. So even when our anxiety gets crazy, he sends us comfort. And you notice he sends us comfort, the people that are closest to us, our family, our community, his brother. What better person What better person to free your people with than your brother? That's a beautiful thing. So Moses goes back to the palace and that, that pretty much uh, wraps up stage or chapter four. But what ends up happening, he goes back to the palace Fills Aaron in on everything. Him and Aaron talked to the people because he was worried about whether or not the people would believe him, whether or not people would go for it. Do you know that when him and Aaron, when Aaron spoke the word to the people and they did the great signs in front of the people, those people bowed their heads and worshiped God. They believed it. It was no hassle. Moses did all of that, let all of that imposter syndrome attack him. Only for him to end up having a seamless process with getting the people to rally behind him. So that is how chapter four ends. It concludes with the people rallying behind Moses. And we know that eventually Moses goes on to, in fact, free the people.
Despite the imposter syndrome, he freed the people with the stuttering problem. He freed the people. Now, what are some ways that we can practically conquer our imposter syndrome? Because maybe we're not seeing God in a burning bush, you know? But how is God still speaking to us? What is he saying? And what are some principles that we can rely on? So what are some strategies that we can use to defeat imposter syndrome? Number one, let go. When Moses was transitioning to his new life after running away from the palace, when he went to Midian, that was the land he went to. When he went out to Midian, he had to let go of that past life. When the angel of God approached him in the burning bush and he tried to come up with so many reasons as to why he couldn't do something. At that moment, it was a very quick decision. He had to let go. Even when he ran away to Midian, he, it was a really split decision. He had to run away, let go. So it's something that can happen in the haste even sometimes. But in order to transition into this next season, we have to let go of that past season. Our past mistakes, the excuses we make for ourselves, the self-prescribed disadvantages. Number two, tap into your authentic voice. Now, I imagine when Moses went out to that foreign land, he had a lot of time to think. He had a lot of time to pray, meditate. And that may even be what it takes. Take some time from social media, the distractions, the uncurated timelines where you're seeing an RIP post one second and then a I got a promotion the next and then a funeral and then someone being born. It's just so many emotions that are being pushed and pulled here and there. Have you guys ever seen the movie Inside Out? Now, y'all know I love my Disney movies. I love Marvel, of course, but I was in my Pixar bag and I happened to watch Inside Out. I think that's Pixar or is that Walt Disney Productions? I don't know. Either way, I checked out the movie. And um, if you haven't seen it, it's about uh, Inside. It's a cartoon, of course, animated. And um, basically the emotions are just different personalities and they have control over feelings and emotions and reactions and there's one for there's one for joy there's one for sadness greed uh, anger and what is the last one fear (laughs) so yeah that's the one I would love to forget these different emotions are all different personalities they embody you know what each emotion would be would look like if it were personified and I really like Disney movies as well because there's always a, a like biblical context in all of them. Like even the, the decision to have a joy personality versus happiness. Just food for thought. Actually, I'll, I'll make that a common thread where I'll mention a Disney movie in that biblical reference. Um, but I really, truly enjoy those movies for that reason in particular. But. So in the film, you have these different emotions and 
depending on who is in control of the control board, that is what emotion takes over the main character. You'll see in the main character's parents, each emotion has, you know, some play in it. Now, in this young girl, the emotions are everywhere. Each one is taking turns. She's feeling a different one all the time. So when we are, we, if we think, if we were to think of our minds like that, when we're scrolling through our timeline, a different emotion is taking control over the server board. So to the point where we're just feeling all of these emotions and we're having all of these memories and they may not be filled with joy. They may be in moments of sadness because of what we allowed ourselves to be exposed to and when you want to tap into your authentic voice, how you feel and process things, you may need to take some time away. I love Twitter, but let's be honest. We use Twitter to complain. Now, granted, we do use Twitter to find out new information. We use Twitter to uh, get education. I know I've been educated on Twitter plenty of times. Entertainment. We just want to laugh, want to have fun what a joke but a lot of the times we want to complain I know I'm guilty of it I will complain sometimes I swear I say I'm gonna work on that I say I'm not gonna you know swear but man sometimes I swear on Twitter I'm not gonna lie God knows he knows I didn't murder a man but he knows what I did so when I want to get away when I want to just get a break and tap into my authentic voice because it can get hazy so many different outlets we may be intaking so many different emotions at one time I mean I can definitely admit to having moments of of just not being able to hear myself so I need to take some time away and tap back into me and then number three make room for God make room for your spiritual life Meditate, pray, be intentional, set time aside specifically for that and watch how big of a difference it makes. Just five minutes in the morning before you get up and start your day, before you touch your phone. Man, thank you, God. Thank you for another day. Help me, God, so that I may move in purpose today. Help me, God, so I may move intentionally today. Help me so that I may be more forgiving today. That I may show more compassion and empathy for others. Allow me to be a blessing today. Show me how to serve. Position me for favor. Just five minutes of making requests, not of physical, material things, but of the intangibles. Make me more like you, God. More firm, more confident. Give me that, that confidence. What is my objective? What, what direction am I in in this season? Where am I going, God? Where are you taking me? Where are we going? And that's stage one. That's all we're trying to figure out. Where are we going? Where are you going, God? Because I want to go with you. I want to be where you at. <laughs> right? Right. Now, the last thing that I want to talk about, because 
Now, when we're applying all three strategies, we're letting go, we're tapping to our our authentic voice and we're making room for God. We don't leave a lot of room for imposter syndrome. We don't leave a lot of room to have thoughts of us being phonies when we've already let go of anything that would have attached us to being a phony. And our true authentic voice is not going to ridicule us and belittle us. No. Our authentic voice uplifts us. And if you don't think that you're capable of tapping into a positive version of yourself, get into a community of people who are positive because it's infectious. It is infectious. And when we make room for God and we allow him you know, to move in us when we're praying in our prayer life or when we're studying our scripture. Those are the thoughts that begin to fill our mind. The scriptures playing back in our mind or constantly being in prayer when those negative thoughts do appear. We don't leave a lot of room for imposter syndrome. Well, I got to say, I really appreciate you guys for hanging in on this episode Um, we talked a lot just about imposter syndrome we talked about Moses's journey and the imposter syndrome that he experienced and then we talked about strategies for conquering imposter syndrome so I hope this was all helpful I hope this edifies you and I hope that you have an amazing journey as you proceed through your exit plan for our next episode we'll be diving into stage two we're in our toolbox don't want to miss that love you guys like i said show some love on instagram comment subscribe like all of that good stuff y'all be amazing love you till next time take care of yourself and each other and make good choices